It's December 2022, and this is the final installment of the year for the EAE podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm your host, Laura Rumbly. This is episode number 56 in our series, and today we're talking about the use of influencers in international higher education. You've seen influencers doing everything from endorsing skincare products to urging action on major social issues like climate action and human rights. But did you know that influencers are also being deployed by higher education institutions to attract prospective students and raise general visibility? Our two guests are certainly aware of this phenomenon. Kirsten Edgar is Communications and Content Coordinator for the Anglo-American University in the Czech Republic. And Lucila Morales de Mittag is the International Office Coordinator at Europa Universiteit Flensburg in Germany. We recently caught up with these two colleagues to learn more about how their institutions decided to leverage some stray cats, which is a playful term Kirsten developed for the influencers she's worked with. They gave us a peek into their innovative approaches to having influencers amplify their international student recruitment efforts and support their overall student engagement activities. To give us a little bit of context, I wonder if you could share with our audiences just a little bit about the profiles of your respective institutions. So Lucila, I wonder if I could start with you with that question. And I'm Lucila Morales de Mitak, and I, I work for Europa Universität Flensburg. We're located in Germany, in the north. We're right at the border with Denmark. Great. And a little, a little bit about the size and age of your institution, can you remind me? Yes, uh, we are about 6,100 students with about 480 international students. Fantastic. And we started as a university in uh, as a college right after the Second World War and then a university in 1994. Great. Okay. And Kirsten, a little bit about your institution. Uh, hi, I'm Kirsten Edgar. So I'm the content and communications uh, coordinator for Anglo-American University in Prague, Czech Republic. We are quite a small institution, so we boast around like 700 students. Um, we were founded in 1990, firstly as a college, and now we're a university. Yay! <laughs> and um, we are a not-for-profit NGO private university. Great. That helps us understand very clearly where you're both coming from. I'm really delighted to be chatting with both of you this morning. Thanks for taking the time to talk to the EAE. In this age of social media, I think most of us are very aware of what influencers are and what they do, but I think we might be less knowledgeable about this notion of micro and nano influencers, which is a term that I've been hearing a little bit more about recently. And to get us kicked off here, I was hoping that, uh, Lucila, you might be able to give us a definition of these specific terms, so we'll have a little sense of what it is that they are all about. Yes, for uh, what we understand for nano-influencers are those that have zero to 10,000 followers and then follows the micro-influencers from 10,000 to 100,000 followers and then comes the mid and the macro and the macro-influencer is above 500,000. Oh and most goodness. people are always talking of influencers, influencers, yes, but the influencers are the ones that have the big followers, that have a large amount of followers and anything beyond below, then it will be the, the smaller ones like nano or micro. Okay, fantastic. That's actually very helpful to have in mind a very quantitative understanding of what's going on with that. So now that we know a bit about what micro and nano influencers are, I would be delighted to know a bit more about how some higher education institutions are using influencers, wherever they fall on that scale, to raise their, their visibility and to connect with 
audiences of different types. So I would love it if you both might be able to tell us briefly a bit about your how your own institutions got involved in this work and decided to invest in this particular form of marketing and visibility raising. Kirsten, I wonder if I could start with you with a little bit of your backstory there for your institution. Uh, sure. So we have quite an active community that we're very proud of. And um, through our social media monitoring tools and actually also through a survey through our website, we noticed that one girl in our community had become a bit of a, a bit of a hit in the micro um, influencing world. So what happened with us is we basically reached out to her and said, hey, would you like to work with us more closely um, in promoting study abroad in Europe and also the institution itself, to which a big plus for us, she agreed. <laughs> Fabulous, of course. <laughs> Wonderful. And how long ago was that, Kirsten, would you say? Uh, we started working with her around 2020, 2021. Excellent. So you have a year, a couple of years then of this mm -hmm. experience. Great. Okay. Lucila, how about your institution? How did you get involved in this work? So I got involved also in 2020. I mean, the university already had an account that started in 2017, but it was mm -hmm. like an official, an official Instagram account of social okay. media and Facebook and all of that, but it was all official and had the engagement was not so great. And then during 2020, during the pandemic, we realized that many of the students were not in our campus and they were in different countries and different places. And we had to find a way to integrate them. And mm -hmm. um, the best way for that, that I thought was to having them involve, uh, be more active with the social media, especially Instagram. And then we started hiring some nano influencers that have between 500 to 1,200 uh, followers uh, to get involved and start creating content for, for to, 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 to create this integration with the students and also to promote some of our values. Wonderful. So can I ask um, how receptive were your institutions to this idea of going down this path and, and you know, beginning to tackle marketing and institutional visibility in this, I, I assume, rather innovative and new way um, for your institutions? Was there any pushback or a lot of enthusiasm or just uncertainty about, or ambivalence maybe is the better word? Um, Kirsten, can you answer that? Um, our approach to this was act now, ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> and um, our institution wasn't exactly sure what we were doing. And they presumed we were maybe working with an ambassador, which in our case, we weren't. It was someone who was uh, completely external to any form of employment in the university. So for them, once they kind of found out what we were doing, they were a bit more wary about how to control this and how to make sure the message was there. But when they saw the results, they calmed down quite a bit and were like, ah, this actually works really well. How can we do more of this? Uh, what's the next step? What's the big plan? So they were on board in the end. Got it. The evidence seemed to convince them a bit. Okay. And Lucila, how open was your institution to this work? I think in, in our case, they were desperate for anything. <laughs> and, 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 Wide and, open then. <laughs> yes, and I, had, and I had quite a proposal for them, uh, thought of different ways to, to help integrate the students and different possibilities, which later changed when the actual um, nano-influences started working. Uh, but, but they were open to the idea because they were desperate to, to get the students involved. Wonderful. So crisis being the mother of invention. Mm -hmm. yes. Okay. 
You've mentioned already, um, Kirsten, this word about messaging, and I did have a question about that. So we have, you know, had this traditional concept of the student ambassador and how that can be a really effective and important way for particularly prospective students to gain some insight into what an institution is all about. Um, but of course, influencers can reach many more people. Um, and maybe there's a sense that there's a little less control over how that plays out. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that idea of controlling the message and you know how it is that you puzzled through that part of the experience of working with influencers. Uh, in short, we relinquished all control. The thing with working with an outside organic kind of influencer, somebody who's already in your community, is she was already very interested and generally appreciative of her institution. So she she already had good things to say, which was good for us. Um, but in order to have that kind of partnership work, um, we had to allow her to create her content for her audience in the way that she wanted to do it. The only thing that we could influence was um, more later on when she eventually started to be paid or commission based for some of the stuff she was doing for us is that was the incentive for her to keep saying a positive message. But in all actuality like we relinquished control to our influencer and allowed her to say um anything she believed to be true about the institution and that was really scary so yes. i understand if people don't want to do that but that is a route that you can take audiences appreciate or authentic and transparent content from any creator. I mean, that is a really bold move, I think. One might consider that to be rather bold and that you really do have to have a level of trust there, it sounds like, that yes. this person does have a sense of the, the fundamentals of your institution and can be trusted to put out a message that's roughly consistent, you know, with the facts of, of what it is that you do as an institution. Um, very, very interesting. Can I ask, have there ever been any kind of fact-checking moments where you felt like there was a little something that needed to be uh, tweaked a bit in, in the messaging that she put out just to, to bring things in alignment with a, a fact about the institution or more or less has it just been fine? It's been okay. There have been points where we're like, where we'll maybe think mm, that's maybe not quite what we would like to say and if that was the case we would always reach out to her and maybe ask like hey this is actually what we would like to put forward like be it information about visa process or how to come to the Czech Republic or it yeah. would always be like a small message and then there you go two weeks down the line there'd be another video that would come out they'd be like hey guys this is exactly how this should be done and this is the outlined process or we could reach out to her and be like let's collaborate on some content and that way we could also then have a little bit more say in what we would like the content to be excellent okay so some further massaging of information could follow from some of the work that she yes. would initially put out there Excellent. Okay. So controlling the message is one thing. Um, and then I think kind of a deeper or wider consideration might be the extent to which influencers are really aligned with the values of your institution and the, I don't know, the, the heart and soul of how you would like to portray yourself in the world. Lucila, I don't know if you'd like to talk a little bit about any of those pieces, the messaging part of things, the values part of things, or both of them. Um, how has that been for you? I'm going to say quickly what, how it was for us because I think it was very different. We had six nano influencers 
and they were posting every day. Each one has a different day. They were from different countries. So different backgrounds, different uh, social and economic backgrounds as well. Uh, so we wanted to have a very diverse group representing uh, the account, the international account. And we had a little training at the beginning where we explained what we were focusing in, but they were free to post whatever they wanted. Okay. But we say we want to integrate their students. We want to multiply our um, diversity, understanding, uh, create safe spaces, green living, and inclusion. So those, those, that, that was the information that were, they were given, and then they pick what they wanted to do. Uh -huh. So one of them was more into green living, the other one was more into diversity. So each one was like an expert in the little topic. Okay. And each one was posting differently. Of course, we did run into some trouble sometimes. <laughs> Uh, because um, because of the posting, sometimes there is misunderstanding. It's yeah, not meant in one way, but it, it is perceived in a different way, and we have to be careful with that. So it was constantly. It, it was very much time consuming for me. It is time mm -hmm. consuming because uh, mm -hmm. I, I constantly have to to watch out. Also, uh, sometimes they get questions, and the way they answer might be wrong. Right. Yeah. And immediately I have to jump in and say like, no, okay, that's a good way to answer that. You can also have to consider this, this and that. Uh, so it, it is, um, you, you have to watch it sometimes because it can be wrong. I can give you an example of something that went completely wrong is uh, we were posting a video where we had a flag. It was the Yemen flag, which mm -hmm. is black, mm -hmm. uh, uh, black, white and red. And we, we have the video and everything is great. And we're getting a lot of uh, good feedback. And all of the sudden I start getting emails from the German community. And it seems that the flag, they say, why are you having the old German Reich flag? Oh no. Which is oh, used no. by the neo-Nazis. Oh my gosh, that's like, not a small problem. <laughs> and I said, that's not true. We use international uh, uh, flags. We have no neo-Nazis. She says, yes, look at it. And then they show me which second. And, and then I start looking at the flag. And I said, but that's not a German flag. That's the flag from Yemen. And we realized that in the video, the guy had the flag upside down. Oh, oh my god! And when you look at it, the, the, so if you look at it upside down, it is the German all right flag, but uh we have to take it out we have to cut we have to uh, take out the video cut that part and put it again because even though we we under we explain oh that's the yemen flag we said it is, there is a, it is misunderstood of course exactly so, yeah. well that does get to this question of values you know of what it is that you stand for mm -hmm. and uh you know are there any other particular examples or things that have been on your mind in terms of helping, you know, to ensure that the influencers that you're working with really do speak to the, the values of your institution. Um, I, I realize those categories of emphasis that you provided to your influencers, I think, do have values embedded in them and behind them. But was it, you know, just curious if there's anything else in that space of, you know, really making sure that the spirit of what these uh, individuals are doing aligns with the spirit of your institution. Uh, well, as, as I say, they picked what they wanted to do. Yeah. But they were not so. forced to do anything. And, and I was actually surprised because some people that I thought, oh, he's going to be working on this. No, he picked completely different. So the, the values were different. They, they, they pick what spoke to them. And then it's that much more authentic, yes, it sounds yes, like. Yes, yeah, yes. They, they were into it. If they, and actually, we have to change some things because they were not in alignment with any of them. And so they, 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 you have to adapt because, like, like, like uh, Kirsten said, it has to be authentic. 
Mm-hmm. They have to be able to relate. So Kirsten, I know I've heard you in some other contexts talk about working with influencers as working with a stray cat. And I wonder <laughs> if you could talk a little bit about that analogy, where it comes from and um, what that means to you. Um, well, that one kind of came off the top of my head, to be honest, but it rings true when you think about an influencer. If you think about a stray cat, they're very independent. They don't particularly care about you or anything they're out for themselves. You can't trap them. It's not someone, it's not, it's not a thing you can take home and just expect to stay there. Mm-hmm. So that's how you really need to think about organic influencers or in today's age, as we're calling them now, creators, digital creators. It's they're someone who is not going, they're not your employee. Um, They have their own particular niche audience that they appeal to. So you couldn't suddenly get a massive uh, following of football fans to a baking podcast. It's like that kind of idea. It's also they are very authentic and transparent in their communication. So they will declare if something is a collaboration, a sponsorship or otherwise. They want their audiences to be able to trust them. And that's why working with organic influencers and influencers in general is good for an institution, because uh, there you have someone who really does align with your values. If you are an open and inclusive community and you want that message spread, if an influencer truly believes that and they spread that message, you have a whole audience that's open to you who will then be like, ah, they, they mean it. This is the place where I want to be for my future. Really a nice analogy. I think that one, one that will stick with people as they think about how this can work and, and the kinds of sensitivities that you probably need to bring to the work um, as you engage with influencers. You have to have certain expectations and leave behind certain other expectations, I'm guessing. Yes, yes, exactly. It's very similar to what um, Lucila was saying. It's you have to allow them, even, even if they're under your wing, you have to really allow them to kind of go with their uh, instincts about what they want to say and how they think this is going to appeal to their peers and people younger than them. Fantastic. So you both have had a couple of years of experience in this work, and I am assuming that this um, entire field of influencer marketing is really evolving rapidly. The COVID pandemic, I get the impression, sped this up. You've already mentioned this, Lucila, you know, 2020 and how do we engage with people? What do we do? Now that we're moving beyond, let's hope, um, that particular context, I'd love to know what both of you think is next in this world of influencer marketing. Um, And that might be just thinking, reflecting on your your institutions and how you might consider the next stage in the work that you're doing with influencers. Um, Wonder which one of you would like to pick up that that future-oriented thinking about what's next. For us, it's community-driven marketing. So everything being based in your community, whether that be uh, advocates coming from your community or you do more work focused on what members of your community are getting up to. For example, we've had a lot of really good uh, student run events and fundraisers, things for Ukraine, things for Iran, a big festival that was set up all by our students in um in the spring just there so that's one faction and for us we also have we're working more closely with our alumni community as well and we've actually been able to expand upon those relationships and end up with a good few um student internships that in some cases gone on to be careers so it's really for us what's very important particularly as a small school is that we keep our community engaged from the beginning of their journey with us to beyond their graduation. So that's where we see it going for us is just purely community, community, community. 
Super interesting. And I love thinking about that continuum of experience, you know, onto the alumni community as well. Great. Lucila, what's what's on next on the agenda for your work with influencers? So, so definitely two words uh, come to mind, a collaboration that was mentioned before, continue the collaboration with the nano influencers and engagement, engagement to promote and multiply our three topics that we always want to, to expand, which is the green living, diversity and inclusion. Uh, among all the other information that we may also have. But these are three things that we want to continue focusing because it's not so easy to reach this, the, these groups and in these topics and also to multiply the values, you know, and expand them. So definitely to continue with the collaboration. Wonderful. Okay, so that doubling down on that particular yeah. and, area. And maybe expanding more to, towards TikTok. We started with TikTok now, but it's not so big. But I think that that is the next step, an expansion, a serious expansion to TikTok. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, that's very delightful to imagine what will appear, you know, in your life with that work. That's fantastic. Well, I have been very influenced by the conversation with both of you, really learning a lot and very intrigued by what you're doing. And it will be a lot of fun, I think, to see what other institutions do, you know, as we move further into this space. Thank you both so much for chatting with me. Thank you for having us. It was great. Thank you. That was Lucila Morales de Mittag, International Office Coordinator at Europa Universiteit Flensburg in Germany, and Kirsten Edgar, Communications and Content Coordinator for the Anglo-American University in the Czech Republic. Some links to other items of interest related to cutting-edge marketing and recruitment activities in our field can be found in our session notes. Do take a moment to check those out. We also hope you'll take a moment to check out the benefits of EAI membership in the coming year. Individual and group membership for 2023 is now available. As an EAIE member, there is a lot happening in the first part of next year that you'll be able to benefit from by locking in your membership early. The Online Academy kicks off again in February, offering up-to-date skill-building opportunities around timely topics such as providing mental health support and implementing virtual exchange. EAIE members benefit from a significant discount on all of these training courses. And in March 2023, the Community Summit will be back and will be free for EIE members. The theme for the 2023 Community Summit is thriving in complexity and will explore issues of leading, learning, and living in today's complex times. To find out more about EIE membership and what it means to some of our current members, please visit the EIE website at www.eae.org. This is our last episode of 2022, but we'll be back in mid-January to unveil a whole new year of conversations to share with you. Until then, very warm holiday wishes to you from the EAE.